We're here today because right now more than 100 million Americans are under heat alerts. Many are dying from extreme heat. July 4th was the hottest day ever in world history. And we're here today for our declaration of independence from the fossil fuel industries of the United States and across the planet. We're here because parts of Western Massachusetts and Vermont and New York are underwater with two months worth of rain in just two days. The planet is running a fever. There are no emergency rooms for our planets. We have to engage in the preventative care of our planet. That is what today is all about. Here's what galls me. I don't like these attacks on the Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, as if they are somehow anti-US agencies. Those agencies keep this democracy in check. It keeps them in float. They provide the checks and they provide the balances. If you think that a Bill of Rights is what sets us apart, you're crazy. Every banana republic in the world has a Bill of Rights. Every president for life has a Bill of Rights. <laughs> the Bill of Rights of the, of the former evil empire, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, was much better than ours. I mean it literally. It was much better. We guarantee freedom of speech and of the press. Big deal. They guaranteed freedom of the speech, of the press, of street demonstrations and protests, and anyone who is, who is caught trying to suppress criticism of the government will be called to account. Whoa, that, that is wonderful stuff. Of course, just words on paper, what, what our framers would have called a parchment guarantee. And the reason is that the real constitution of the Soviet Union, you think of the word constitution, it doesn't mean a bill, it means structure. Say a person has a sound constitution, has a sound structure. The real constitution of the Soviet Union, which is what our framers debated that, that, that whole summer in Philadelphia in 1787, they didn't talk about the Bill of Rights. That was an afterthought, wasn't it? That constitution of the Soviet Union did not prevent the centralization of power in one person or in one party. And when that happens, the game is over. The Bill of Rights is just what our framers would call a parchment guarantee. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. The Ministry of Cobalt's daughter of Ireland, or daughter of Ireland, you can tell that's a 40 slip on thinking of home, uh, the daughter of Iceland. And, uh, um, and uh, I, uh, I want to say I think we've had a very productive summit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a tremendous hand for... Tony Bennett, let's hear it out there. Thank you. Thank you. The loveliness of Paris seems somehow sadly gay. The glory that was Rome is of another day Well, I was terribly alone And forgotten in Manhattan 
I'm going home to my city by the bay. I In San Francisco High on a hill It calls to me To be well, little cable cars. And welcome Fly back, ladies and gentlemen, to the to Unregulated the Podcast. This is episode number 140 here on Friday, July 21st. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. Because no, no one else wanted the job. I don't know. You had auditioned Travis last week, so I know what your I know what your game is here, pal. You're going to be pushing. You're going to be retiring here pretty soon. So I hope to retire before I'm bald and old and decrepit. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start with the last clip. We lost a great one yesterday. Anthony Dominic Benedetto, 96 years old. Yeah, died where he was born in. New York City. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I actually knew him. I did not know this. He and my dad grew up in Astoria together. He was born. He was born. No, I know he was born in Astoria, but I did not yeah. know that you knew him. Yeah, That's he was amazing. born. He was born a month after my dad, and um, and you know, even at that time, Astoria was a Greek neighborhood, and and uh, Mr. Bennett was obviously Italian, and my dad was Irish, so they kind of bonded together against the Greeks, right? <laughs> They were altar boys together at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, right? Which is the which is a big parish on the edge of Astoria. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it was. I don't want to say it was. Uh, it was not uncommon. It, it wasn't rare. Three or four times a year, he he'd poke his head into my grandparents, and you know, we'd all be there on a Sunday, and he it was because his parents lived in Astoria until fairly late in their lives. So yeah, yeah is a. I'm sorry about that. You know, and you know. Well, like I said, he was. Well, like, let me let me throw a little bit of background in just real quick. Other than that, and that's cool. Uh, his uh, quote recently: "I come from good Italian stock, but I've tried to stay fit, stay fit through the years." Uh, of course, he was battling at the end with um, Alzheimer's. Twenty-time um, Grammy winner, he had a hit. Uh, uh, he charted new albums in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the first three decades of the 21st century. Uh, as you mentioned, born of a modest means of Italian immigrants in Astoria, and he did serve in World War II. Um, and uh, discovered by Bob Hope in 1949, and the rest, they, as they say, is history. I don't know if you knew this, but he went, he was broke for a while there, and kind of down almost to down in the dumps he was addicted to substances all that stuff but um popped back out and ended up having like a second a second act in his career so yeah god rest your soul tony bennett 
Yeah. Interesting that he winds up with Lady Gaga, right? Stephanie Germanata, I think is her actual name, who, of course, um, uh, is herself an Italian Catholic, went to went to the convent in New York, right? Yeah. And she said right right across the East River from from the story, basically. Yeah, and she said he inspired her too, and and kind of got her, um, got her out of out of some dark times as well. So, God rest his soul. Now, Ed Markey, of course, uh, we haven't really focused on him in a while, but his his rhetoric was on fire. Ed, Ed Markey, <laughs> more recently, yeah, man. Hey, to be I honest, mean, this... to be honest with you, I thought it was Gina McCarthy at first. I couldn't, I can't really tell the difference between the two yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It is hard to tell the difference. Seriously, man. So yeah, I, you know, I knew this whole like it's it's a little bit hot in the summer thing was going to turn into a climate you know emergency. It's the hottest day ever, 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 yeah. ever. Kawase, kawase, and fume. Crazy, kawase, and fume. Just think about uh, it as crazy. Just think about it as crazy. Influence. I always call him crazy because uh, he was around when I was on the hill, and then he went to jail for a while. And he's still back on that. He's back on he, Did he go like? Did he go to jail or he? There was some something going on. I have anyway, no idea. He hung out with the, um, I think he hung out with the NAACP for a bit and then bounced back. And Went back in the house, house, yeah. Yeah, so I guess the uh, the uh, agents we're, we're we're picking on DOJ, FBI. We're we're being a little bit too 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 mean to those guys because after all they keep us in check keep our democracy in check keep our democracy in check look these are the checks and balances you know um between senator markey and congressman and fume um it's always good to have a reminder that occasionally that members of congress can be just as dumb as anybody else in this country <laughs> i'm like that's you know, what people the only thing is asking me like what can you do like i'm like Getting these guys, I mean, these guys aren't like geniuses and rocket scientists. No, you know, they're, that, they're they're marginally competent fraternity presidents gone wrong. It's 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 checks and balances, dude. You literally take an oath to uphold the Constitution every two years. You might read it occasionally. You probably learn something. Seriously. So the late and great Justice Antonin Scalia had a little bit of a gave Congress a little bit of a lecture on on what makes us who and what we are and it ain't the bill of rights i thought that was poignant with uh with all this defending of our justice department and all that other stuff so i threw that in there yeah it's not really i don't know if you want to comment on it or not but i'll comment on it Uh, you know if you can't if you can't imagine a world in which the federal government is your enemy um not just not just a regular garden variety difficulty but an actual enemy you really haven't been paying attention for the last 50 years because doesn't matter who Martin Luther King, Richard Nixon, Trump, Hillary Clinton, you know, you, 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 you fill in that, you fill in the name, they have surveilled them or done something illegal to, or to, or it directed at them. Um, I'm just, like I said, if you're, if you, if you honestly believe the federal government, all of it means you well, I want to seriously get a, get a subscription to newspaper. Yeah, and that was the point too. Is is not it's not the freedom of the anything that that makes us, uh, you know, free. It is the the ability for us to not have a government as powerful and as dictatorial as they are rapidly becoming. Yeah, I think that's wrong, Tom. I think the IRS is an important check on democracy. 
<laughs> well, the Veep said the quiet part out loud. In fairness, though, she did read the tel- teleprompter incorrectly. You think she meant? Uh, you think, think she, she meant, meant pollution? Say, I think she might have meant pollution, but you know what do they say about gaffes? Uh, gaffes. Yeah, my, you know, there's a kernel of truth to some of those things. Mike Kinsey, so. right? A gaffe is when a politician is caught telling the truth in Washington. The only thing that yeah. gives me any pause, I'm perfectly happy to 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 say she made a mistake. The only thing that gives me any pause is that um clip is now almost a week old. And do you know what hasn't happened? There's been no statement. She's said nothing about, hey, I I misspoke. I read the teleprompter wrong. No press person has gone out to correct the record. It's just sitting out there. No, well, it, they did sl- in yeah, the White yeah. House. Yeah, they yeah, crossed they sl- out. They, they crossed it out and wrote pollution in parens. Yeah, right? they, that's not a statement. But you're right. No, because they're not going to. I get what you're saying. If they actually said anything more, then they would get backlash from their constituency. Yeah. And by the way, this is a this was going to be the announcements, but thank you for um I made I made that very point in a, a similar point in the speech I gave this week in in Flagstaff. Um that how how more how monolithic and strident uh the the green left has become and how completely tied into the Democratic Party they are and how afraid these politicians are of saying the wrong thing or offending them in some way, shape, or form. So well, I know I am too, so I don't blame him. Uh Biden, I don't know what Biden said there. The min minishing of minishers, colos. Was, was this, this was this this was this the same one where he, was was this the same one where he nodded off later on? I don't know. I didn't catch that part, but I just this, this was, I mean the, the guy's standing right there looking at him like what okay, the there's hell? a translation issue, but I still don't know what the I assume the translator cleaned it up. I assume the translator, like, he's ordering a Slurpee (laughs) at the drive-thru or something. Oh, all right. Um, Ladies and uh, gentlemen, just remember, when you feel like laughing, just remember, guy's got 10,000 nuclear warheads at his beck and call. Announcements, what do you have this week, sir? Um, Apparently, I got Trey Austin's name wrong. Um, His it's it. I think I said Trey or maybe Ray. I don't know. Turns out that no, his name is in fact James. So on this sh- on this show we're going to call him Jimmy. Just Jimmy, 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 okay, Jimmy, Jimmy. So that's my announcement. So I got, I got one. Uh, I got to call you on a a, a prediction you missed. Uh, John Kerry John did Kerry, show up. John Kerry showed. Yeah, I was impressed. I had the Special same thought K. when he showed up. I was like, wow. He made it, and he pulled a Clinton on that question about his private jet. Did you notice that? I did. I'm like that. This is what happens when you send people to Harvard. They learn how to become more accomplished liars. I have never owned a private jet. It it, it has never been in my name. So yeah, and, you our know, friends they, at the Empowerment Alliance did some did some digging, and they found the the, the logs to a jet that's registered to a company LLC that is. Traced back to Teresa Hines. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the oversight—come like, on, guys! It's like, uh, yeah, the oversight get the oversight guy said, "Hey, your wife." He's like, "Yeah, my wife owns them." I'm like, <sighs> again, there's good and ample reason why people don't trust the government. It's this kind. Of, it's it's both the garden variety stuff like this, and it's the big stuff. You're just like, dude, come on, what's wrong with you people? Why can't we get a straight answer from anybody? 
I, uh, I did notice a long exchange between him and um, who's uh, Freedom Caucus? Perry. Scott Perry. He did a great job. Called him a grifter. Called him a grifter. And uh, it was an interesting exchange. What I, you know, he, he what a- I like about what I liked about it is is that the Republicans are not afraid about offending people on this issue, or at least you know a big chunk of them are. Of course, the speaker uh, we got to call it out when we do. The speaker had old Arnie in, along with the Provo mayor. So, um, yeah, talking climate. Maybe I talking should talking about heat. Maybe I should make an announcement about that because I'm going to – I wrote a column about um, Kevin Kramer's love affair with the carbon border adjustment tax, which we're now going to call the Kramer energy tax. I want to thank Myron Ebel for giving me that. Um, um, so I wrote a column on that because you know one of my friends, a former Trump official, you know, said, it's a great bill. He tweeted out. It's a great bill. I'm like, it's a piece of junk. It's regressive. It's going to lead right to a carbon tax. He's like – he's like – Senator Kramer would never be in favor of such a thing. I'm like, yeah, well, he is. So, dummy, maybe you should pay attention to the facts at hand. In that, in in a in a contemporaneous Twitter, um, little back and forth, I pointed out that the the former mayor of Provo was in fact a Democrat. I said the Democratic yes. mayor of Provo. His communications guy pointed out, came right back and said, "Hey, the." Uh, Mayor Provo is a nonpartisan office. I'm like, you know, that's why people can't stand hill weenies because you didn't actually address the question. You're like, no, 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 it's a nonpartisan thing. Is the guy a Democrat yes, or course. not? So I asked, is the guy a Democrat? Has he held, Has he been a county chairman for the Democratic Party in Utah? I got no response. Yeah. I got no response. Yeah. He what I got later on was he sent me and he said he, he tweeted out a note that said this was all addressed in a newspaper story like five years ago. And so I read the I read the newspaper story five years ago. It addressed none of it. So I'm going to write yeah, a column about I'm going to write a column about that too. I'm, oh boy, I've just had it's, it with these you, people. This pen you've got has just created a monster. I just have had it with you. I mean, you know what? It, just be whoever you're going to be. You're going to be yeah. in favor of a carbon tax. Sack up and be in favor of a carbon tax. If your boss is a former Democrat, just say, "Hey, he's a former Democrat." Everybody makes mistakes. Reagan was a former Democrat. I'm a former Democrat. It, it's okay, but buck I up and own it. I've never been a former Democrat, but well. I'm vastly quickly becoming a former Republican <laughs> at this point. Um, Seriously. All right, so I got one more announcement. Wait on me. I'm very excited. Uh, tomorrow we start our Colorado River journey with the family, our last hurrah for the summer. So uh, wow. it's going to be fun. We're going to be down on the on the Colorado for a couple of nights, sleeping on the side of the river. Doing the rapids and everything. I just, so. just want to point out that, that I had no, I had no first, middle, or last hurrah for this summer. So, you're ahead of me by, <laughs> you're ahead of me by at least three hurrahs. Just say a little prayer. We make it back. I hear the the, the water's up this year. So. so, have you ever been to the bottom of the Grand Canyon? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, then you know how you know how ugly the river is. Oh, it's amazing. I've done this trip in my 20s back in the hill when they used to have junkets. So um, I'm very excited for the kids. I'm sure you learned a lot of important public policy things. Yes, I did. I learned all about the importance of the Colorado River for the Western United States. So, all right, uh, let's get into it. This day in history, uh, on this day in 1861. Oh, first battle of Manassas. 
July 21st. Well done, sir. The first battle of Bull Run. Um, um, yeah. A large Union force under General Irvin McDowell is routed by a Confederate army under General Pierre G.T. Beauregard. Gustav Tom uh, is, is what the G.T. stands for. Just three months after the Civil War began at Fort Sumter, the Union guys thought that they could settle this quickly. Um, meanwhile, did any did oh, any wait, wait. did any prominent Virginian have a role in this battle? Yeah, I'm going to get to that. So, uh, okay. so uh, General Beauregard massed some twenty thousand troops and was joined by General Joseph Johnston, who brought nine thousand more. The fighting commenced when three Union divisions crossed the Bull Run stream, um, and a brigade of Virginia infantry under General Thomas J. Jackson. Jonathan Jackson. Thomas Jonathan Born Jackson. from a concealed slope, Jackson's men repulsed a series of federal charges, winning his famous nickname, Stonewall. So... There stands Jackson like a stone wall. Rally around the Virginians, boys. Yeah. <laughs> 1960. 1960. This is a weird one, but I brought it up. July 21st, 1960. Like... Bill Mazeroski gets a cold and the Pirates lose. I don't no, know, but you always get one out of you At least get one. I was going to say, I got my one. Go ahead. So this on this day, the German government passed a, the, quote, law concerning the transfer of the share rights in... Volkswagen Werk limited liability company into private hands known informally as the Volkswagen law. And I only bring this up because this is, uh, I like to make this point, which is founded in 1937 and originally under the control of Adolf Hitler's national socialist party. Yeah. Volkswagen would eventually grow into Europe's largest car manufacturer, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. The people's the people's car, Volkswagen. The people's car. Nineteen seventy, sir. This one's another obscure one. You probably won't. July twenty first, nineteen seventy. I was uh, seven years old, running around the streets of uh, Queens. I think at that year, um, not a clue. No, it didn't happen here. It didn't happen was, here. Why are we worried this about event it then? Wasn't here. Go ahead. Nineteen seventy was the day that uh, the year that the, this was the day. Sorry, that the Aswan High Dam. Wow, was sure. completed. It was finished, yeah. Which uh, made the Nile River uh, prevented the floods from from happening every year. Um, it had massively increased uh, agriculture product productivity and gave the uh, Egyptians uh, electricity, reliable and affordable electricity for the very first time. This was a Soviet deal. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, this was... Uh, I guess the U.S. reneged on some loans, and then they said, "All right, fine, we'll just start charging tolls in the Suez Canal," and then that's kind of how they financed it and worked with the Russians. So, Aswan go. Dam and Lake Nazar, in uh, in honor of the dictator. I'm sorry, uh, the the president of uh, Egypt at the time. All right, where do you want to start? You know, we had a guest ask us to give an appropriations update. Yeah, oh, so should we roll there? Sure, why not? Um, All right, let me get let me set it up. This is actually really uh, timely because Punchbowl had a really good digest today. Oh. The Senate appropriators decided to add, <laughs> ready, 
13.7 billion yep to the fy24 spending caps uh well it's a supplemental <laughs> it's not not part of the caps it's a supplemental tom yeah of course uh but um was it not you that i had to bet with as to how big that was going to get that was you wasn't it i refresh my memory i guess not because sometime in the last week i had a bet with i had a bet with somebody about how big that sup was going to get i bet 140 billion Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. you think it's going to go? It's you think that's the opening bid for the supplemental? Never in all my life have I seen a supplemental not get bid up. Sure, hell yeah, it's an evasion. It's what Jack Reed was looking for. It's an evasion of the spending cap. So they're gonna they're gonna do it. Sorry, so go that's ahead. the that's what lifts the dam. So this is above the debt limit deal. Of course, McCarthy, uh, in order to get the floor functioning again, agreed to go go to the funding levels in the original debt deal. So they've been passing individual bills out of the appropriations committee to bring to the floor uh, with cuts uh, that go even deeper than the, the negotiated debt ceiling uh, limit. Um, but the, the, the breakdown that number 8 billion to defense and seven and a half um, 5.7 billion to non-defense yeah. Uh, and Susan Collins said, suggested that her agreement with here, here's your point, uh, was a first step <laughs> in the effort by Defense Hawks to get more money for the Pentagon. Um, because, because, because the 886 billion that the house passed in NDAA last week wasn't somehow enough, skin, it's too skinny, right? Yeah, can't, can't possibly defend the country for 900 billion dollars. And then, okay, here's another here's another one from the article. Senator Roger Wicker, a top Republican, the Armed Service Committee is blocking a nuclear submarine transfer as part of a pact with Australia. Yeah, to Australia. Yeah. For the purposes of forcing the administration to request a supplemental funding for those subs. Yep. And uh, so the only ally they seem to have at the moment in the Senate uh, for McCarthy is is Manchin, who objected to the Murray Collins uh, agreement during the Appropriations Committee meeting, uh, but then withdrew it and said, I'm not going to put a poison bill in uh, that's going to hurt the process. But, but I knew uh, it won't fly in the House, so there'll be a backstop there, right? 71 days between now and shut uh, fund funding uh, uh, the budget uh, was the end of September, right? September 30. Yeah, look, we're, I'll make it simple. You know, you're making it complicated. I'll make it simple. Um, yeah. We're we're heading towards we're heading towards probably net net six point five trillion dollar budget. We're heading towards an omnibus. We're heading towards an omnibus that's going to wind up getting signed around December 15. Um, and you know the the mayhem is going to get done in the supplemental, which is interesting. I always kind of wondered what where the mayhem was going to wind up, and now thanks to the thanks to those two lady senators, now I know. So anyway, it's it's pretty typical stuff for pretty typical stuff for Washington. Um, you know, that, so the, so the House is going to pass these bills individually, uh, all for not. Yeah, that's right? right. Well, well, I mean, it, it other than to begin this, yeah. Low, painful but necessary march to regular order. Yeah. Right? It has to start somewhere. That's right. It has to start somewhere. Um, 
And the Freedom Guys are perfectly happy to fight, and they're already openly discussing shutdown is, is an okay option because um, potentially maybe it leads to a CR that, you know, cuts everything, you know, or f- puts everything flat. I don't know what their strategy is at this point. But so there's the update. The House is marching these bills through somewhat regular order, not uh, complete regular order, but much better than than before. And the Senate, of course, has done zero appropriating at this point is that an accurate determination or at least i think that's right yeah i think that's right yeah that's right i think that's right yeah you know like i said whereas again you know it's bad when your first when your first item out is a supplemental yeah (laughs) that should tell you something about the whole operation right now it's a it's a racket and you guys are the victims anything else on that i hope that satisfies hillary it should what I've been telling it's what, it's what I've been telling paying customers. So, all right. Uh, so this is something that's brewing um, or coming to a head, I should say. Folks should know about it because they might not get their Amazon packages in two days. From the Detroit Free Press, UPS and Teamsters um, nearing deadline uh, on a on an agreement for the um, nearly three hundred and forty thousand UPS workers. They have agreed to go back to the bargaining table after walking away on July 5th. And there are 12 days before contract expiration on the 31st, which according to the U.S. Chamber, if there's a um, if there is a strike, then it could be uh, devastating, quote unquote, to small business and completely disruptive because we're now used to having all our stuff delivered to us in two days or less. Yeah, I don't think they're going to wind up striking. If it is, it'll be like a two-day job. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm much more interested in UAW striking. Uh, they're not anywhere near that uh, situation, are they? Yeah, they're close. They're 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 close. They're close oh, enough. Okay. They're close enough that the White House has appointed a coordinator to make sure they don't. Gene Sperling. So. Oh, good. Jeans back. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes perfect sense. If These guys just if your choice yeah. if your choice is to make a deal or have to meet with Gene Sperling, you're going to make a deal a yeah. hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay. Well, we'll put the article in the show notes. You can read the details of the intense negotiations. But apparently, there's only a couple of few things that are um, you know standing in the way. So this is the gamesmanship uh, of these typical these typical deals. I'm on the union side on this one. Oh, good. I'm on the union side on most things, except for like. I know you are. You're a good. Except for, you're a good Reagan Democrat. Except for public service, public sector guys, I'm a hard no on all of those guys. So. All right, here's from CNBC: Trump trial May 2024. Yeah. A federal judge has set former President Donald J. Trump's trial on charges of mishandling classified documents to start May 20th. Trump's lawyers argued the case should not head to trial until after the November presidential election, due in part to his status as a candidate. Uh, DOJ wanted the trial to start in December. Meanwhile, um, that was, quote, atypically accelerated and inconsistent with ensuring a fair trial, the judge said. Uh, So May 2024 is where we're going to... Maybe yeah. start seeing. So trial. when did so when did they toss his place? When did they toss his place? Was it February, March? Oh, six months ago. Was it six months? I think now? it was that early. 
Okay, well, let's just say, I tell you what, let, let's make it easy and say six months. So that's January, right? That means you basically go to trial on what are essentially glorified misdemeanor charges, like 14 months after like the 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 search. Well, in the uh, the article points out that there's hundreds of you know there are reams and reams of documents, um, and you know the concern about how to manage it because of the classification issues and things like that. So let me um, let me let me say what I'm talking. So about the this. the DOJ is burying the you know the judge with paperwork. I'm basically. okay with that. What concerns me is this. Uh, this concerns me with about the January 6th guys. It concerns me with, with all this stuff in front of the judiciary, right? The Constitution, the United States Constitution, not that anybody cares about that anymore, guarantees you the right to a speedy, speedy trial. trial. Speedy yep. trial. 14 months is not a speedy trial by any kind of metric. I I don't get it. I mean, you, I mean, whatever. You know, the judiciary is totally broken. I mean, fourteen months for a bunch of for a bunch of A and B misdemeanors. You got to be kidding me. You know, it, I didn't shoot anybody. It's not a particularly complicated case. Uh, whatever, whatever. I'm in a really cranky mood today. Go ahead. I hear you, man. We'll wrap this up quickly. Speedy trial. Anyway. Speedy trial. What the hell? How complicated is that? I want to hear from all my lawyer friends, like how this squares up with the, with the requirements for a speedy trial. All right. Uh, I want to, unless you got any more on this. No. Oh, uh, to update our listeners on the, the new indictments coming. Oh, well, yeah. Which one is this now? This it's is J6 stuff, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the boss basically front ran, a, you know, he's expecting to be indicted on something right i'm not sure what exactly um fraud essentially obstruction fraud you know basically shortly like shortly uh associated with january 6th i know they're calling in everybody they called in the advanced team yesterday or or hit him yesterday and said hey we want you to come in for uh grand jury deliberations um you know, we're kind of a parlor game here in town is who's who who was called and who wasn't, right? I got called by a bunch mm -hmm. of press guys. They wanted they wanted to know if Mark Meadows was had been had been called. I'm like, why not, man? He's already ratted everybody out on the first go around on the January sixth <laughs> oh, congressional Look thing. You, so man. you know the thing is what struck me about the about the, the charges, right? There's no underlying thing. It's it's very difficult yeah. to obstruct unless there's an underlying crime. This this Justice Department is just so out over their skis on this stuff. It, it it's not good. It doesn't matter because it's all designed to you know. I wonder about this. What you're about to say? Go ahead, because I had a thought on it this. It is designed to ensure front runner status. See, here's the thing. I've been thinking about that, and we've been saying it for a while. I've been saying it for a while, but if you go back and look at the polling. He really, the president really, the indictments and all the noise hasn't really affected the race. I mean, he's he's ahead. He was ahead before. He's ahead now. Um, I did it, see he started to lose ground in New Hampshire to DeSantis. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you want six or eight points. It's not yeah, insignificant. The thing so. is, you, you know, there's like 47 people in New Hampshire, so you can't really poll them, right? 
Um, you want to see that yeah. kind of stuff go through, go across two or three different surveys. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Anyway, you know, the other thing, we haven't seen any actual survey data about, hey, have the indictments made you more or less likely? I bet you it hasn't had any effect at all. I bet you these guys. Well, I mean, well, okay, let me, maybe let me tweak it a little yeah. bit. It's designed to keep him in the in the news, right? It's designed to feed the narrative and feed the beast. I guess, but um, I, I, I'm not sure it's doing any damage to him. I, I don't, I don't. I don't sense any damage, is what I guess I'm saying. Okay, well, let me, let me do one more try here. What the, if Biden is the nominee, and uh, we can maybe you want to update that bet? Uh, you still say no after that thing with the Iceland guy? Who the hell knows? Uh, yeah, I still. If he's the nominee, who is the number one? Who has to be the nominee yeah, for the for the Republicans? Trump, but but I guess what I'm saying is. The indictments could be helping him. They could be hurting him. I mean, in the larger, in the general election sense, it doesn't seem like justice has any good grasp on that, or the, the whoever's running this thing, whoever's the, whoever's the, whoever the president might be, has any good grasp on this. Yeah, I, I'll take that. I think it's the 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 part that's troubling. I think though is that the, we're talking about yes. this very thing. Yes, that we our justice department and our yes. agencies. Has it gotten to the point where it's just parlor conversation? I was going to say it's so norm right. it's so normalized we don't even think yeah. about it anymore. Like, yeah, these guys are basically using a legal system to like have political outcomes. Let me just stop for one second and do my thirty second public service announcement that I always do when this conversation comes up, and that's this: the guys who started this, like the guys who started a lot of terrible things, the Bush administration, right? When Joey DeGeneva had Marion Barry. He had him cold. Oh. Had him cold on drug charges. Um, part of the agreement was that he was going to have to resign as mayor. And at the time, Boom. and then then you crossed the line. That's right. Justice and politics. That's right. At the time, I remember thinking, and I probably said, "That's a terrible precedent because that's now going to mean every prosecutor is going to want to have his favorite politician resign." Right. Yeah. It puts it puts every it instantly put every elected official in the target zone of some prosecutor. Sorry. You're good. So John Kerry, special envoy Kerry, was in the news this week. <laughs> the uh, two things. First, this is from ENE News. Kerry's visit to China ends with no major agreements um, after three days of intense negotiations. Uh, no concrete outcomes, but have agreed to continue talking ahead of pivotal global climate negotiations this fall. We came to Beijing in order to unstick what has been stuck for almost a year, and that's the in-person dialogue between the United States and China. I'll play this clip from his, uh, that was from his press, press release, but I'll play this other clip um, which was a response to the fact that President Xi basically said, yeah, we're going to do our own thing on climate. We're going to do it at our own pace. And we're not going to be dictated <laughs> by anybody on it, which, of course, is yeah, fitting for a dictator. Here's the clip. Well, I think we all agree that nobody should be, quote, dictated to. Uh, and we're not doing that. We, that's why we had three days of intensive discussions. Uh, and I think if you ask Xi Jinping, he'll tell you there was zero dictation. 
uh, nor I, I think if you asked uh, uh, Director Wang Yi and, and uh, Vice President Han, as well as uh, you know any of the interlocutors we were talking to, uh, they would tell you that there was no dictation here. There was a clear exchange of ideas. If anything is dictating, it is the science. All of us should be informed by and compelled by the level of the science that is coming back at a more rapid rate by the day. I can't, there can't be too many clips of John Kerry. That's, that's why I played that. It's just, I agree. It's just good. And I need to work on the accent a little bit. It's not quite good, but not quite there. The only I'm, I'm thing... Sort of, in a lot of my impersonations, I try to go for the real thing. But with him, I just need that Thurston Howell. So. Yes, he's a very Thurston Howley guy. The um, the only thing the Chinese didn't do that I I sort of was hoping they would was invite him to a ribbon cutting at a coal plant. <laughs> so we put the <laughs> that clip in the pipeline about no new uh, agreement, and the the caption uh, was as John Kerry's uh, jet lands stateside, uh, two new coal plants were built in China between yeah. the time he got there and back. That's this a, is just ridiculous. It, it, it's all just... We came here to unstick what's been stuck. I mean, dude, these guys are still genocidal slavers, right? I mean, what what, what are we talking about? That's not here? his lane. You, please, you don't... How long have you been at this? It's not his lane. I'm going to miss him when he's gone, man. Well, speaking of gone, uh, and I usually really like Chip Roy's take on things, but this is from Fox Fox News. This is our buddy Tom Cotnacci. A group of more than two dozen House Republicans led by Rep. Representative Chip Roy is introducing legislation to defund climate envoy John Kerry's office at the State Department the No Taxpayer Funding for Climate Zealots Advancing Radical Schemes Act. No czars. For, is for how czars. That, no czars is yeah. how that turns no out. No tax funding for czars would prohibit any federal funds, including salary, administrative, and travel, from being appropriated for Kerry's office. Now, I love Chip, and I think ultimately this is probably the right move. But if he goes prematurely, that is so much material for the unregulated podcast. I don't, I'm just, I'm a little... A little torn on this chip. Yeah, I have to. I have to agree with you there. I mean, it 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 would be like losing the vice president. I mean, you could, you know, you <laughs> probably recover, but yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, shifting to supposedly, I guess we should do some energy stuff, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, this was from the New Republic. This was interesting. Is big oil turning on big auto? Exxon released an ad earlier this month that could signal a public rift between two industries that have spent a century working side by side. So I don't know what country it was, but it was Ex Exxon's oil, you know, engine oil. Yeah. And I'm going to put the article and obviously the uh, a ad in the show notes, but it's really good. It has it has people like tethered to all these rope these um wires and they're like all over the place and there's like kids in a playground and they're skipping over the wires and there's wires everywhere right and then all of a sudden the, the ad pans pans out and then there's this beautiful sports car that zips down the road right so 
And this is this is my favorite part though. Axon's official response to the ad is there's nothing to see here. In response to my questions, company spokesperson Julie King claimed the ad was not meant to be anti-electrification. Quote, EVs are an important part of a lower emission future and another great way to enjoy the open road, she said via email. This ad is about disconnecting from our devices, hitting the open road and enjoying our surroundings. So Good. <laughs> okay. Rarely. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's it so it begins. Uh I really I probably should have showed you the ad ahead of time, but uh, take a look at it. It's pretty funny. I'll think about it. All right. Uh any comments on that before I move forward? No. I'm I you know it it we're heading. <laughs> Yeah, one quick yes, comment. One quick comment. Okay, yeah, no, actually, I should have done this in the announcements, but let me do it right now. Um, our friend Lou Polrizzi is putting together, has put together an outfit called, I don't know what it's called, um, but it had a meeting uh, this last week, and it was the Energy Security Working Group. There we go. That's the name of it. And it's going to explore the transition the energy transition, hopefully from a fact-based and numerical perspective. I highly recommend it. It was a, it was a good conversation um, with some, some divergence of opinions in the room. Um, that's that's it. always good. That's good. Lou is really good at getting folks he, together and having conversations. He is, um, you know, he, of that nature. He, he, I probably, uh, I probably harshed everybody's mellow a little bit. Cause I got up twice in the last you. Three- because I got up twice in the last three minutes and laid some ground truth down on them. And uh, I'm not sure everybody completely appreciated what I was saying. But I'm sure when they went home and thought about it, they they did. Um, anyway, um, the group didn't really talk about this, but I'll talk about it for 10 seconds, right? There's going to be conflict over this thing. We have had – and I made this point. Adam Siminski got up at the end of it and said – Adam Siminski was in the room. Former EIA guy, right? Yeah, I better – I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, let's say – Well, it, this is Chatham. You, yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, let, let's say it this way. Um, th- th- there was – there was. I, I got up. I will say what I said. Right? Let me just tell you what I said. I got up and said part of the problem here is that we have not had a national discussion on this. We are presented with 2050 – net zero as a national goal, even though it was basically the fever dream of one president and now this president. But Congress never set a national goal. Nobody's ever set a national goal. And that's true. That's a good point. And we're talking about we're talking about something that is the most important energy issue, the most important economic issue, the most important trade issue, the most important labor issue that we're, any of us are going to see in the next 15 or 20 years. And we're not having any kind of ability to input into it. That's going to lead to conflict. It just is. You know, when you get a company like Exxon who's like stepping towards the conflict, it gives you some sense of like we're basically there already. I'm looking forward yeah. to it, but I do conflict. I'm not sure everybody else does. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next article I have is from – this is – I don't know what this is. It's – I guess it was a reprint of a Bloomberg News article in Financial Post, which uh, headline, Shell explores selling renewable power stake as CEO pursues, quote unquote, ruthless approach to prioritizing returns 
<laughs> Shell PLC is exploring options for its global renewable power operations, including a potential stake sale to outside investors. People with knowledge of the matter said, which I hate that stuff. But Seriously. The deliberations come as CEO Weil Sawan, I may have butchered his first name, mm. focus, focuses the company's investments on fossil fuels and a bid to increase shareholder returns and narrow the valuation gap with Shell's U.S. peers. Shell's renewable power business has come under pressure as Sawan pursues what he's called a ruthless approach to prioritizing returns, meaning the unit has to generate profits in addition to cutting the company's carbon footprint. While Sawan said he will continue to invest in renewable power, he's vowed to be more selective and only pursue projects that create sufficient value. Um, and, and this is the kicker, because you know this is not just a statement. As Shell's approach to green power has shifted at the top, some executives in the business have departed. Renewable power boss Thomas Brostrom quit to pursue another job, and Shell's UK head of offshore wind, Melissa Reed, also left the company. So the, the Dutch company is starting to flex a little bit here on fossil, getting bullish again, huh? Yeah. I, I'm 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 creeping towards being optimistic because you know you're starting to get it from the some of the automakers, you're starting to get it from some of the oil companies. Um, you know You know what the telltale sign will be, in my opinion? Yeah, what? If one of these if one of these people decide that they like us again and give us a little bit of money. Seriously. Uh anyway. It'll happen. It'll happen. You know, it's it's we'll gonna, see. It's gonna we'll be one see. of those things. Anyway. So you think this is going to grow? Yes. Yeah. Like what are, are they going to try to thread the needle here or are we moving back towards a, Hey, we're in the fossil business and it's important. I, I don't, I just don't see that. I, I, I but, think, no, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And I'll tell you why. Um, Europe is basically given up, right? You know, they're, they're now, they talk about gas now. Um, they talk about coal. You know, I mean, they, they don't get me wrong. They're still going to, hey, yeah, solar and wind, but they really, really, really are 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 um, battening down the hatches on gas and coal. Um, you know, thank you for that that uh, battening down the hatches thing. Uh, I want to run this deck by you that we put together um, for this speech because I think I'm on a theme here of headwinds and tailwinds on this on this net, net zero stuff. Yeah, I so. mean, it. it I, I just, you know, I, I think that I think. I think most American companies, car makers and ref car makers, refiners and exploration production guys are looking at this like there's no way this can happen in 20 years or 30 years or 50 years even. Right. And I think you're getting smart guys. And, you know, Lou had a room full of smart guys who are like, I'm not sure this is actually going to work. And, you know, they're mm -hmm. starting they're starting to think about numbers around how it may not work. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it, it. Yeah. You know, 19 uh, in 2008, 16. Let's see. Coal was 50% of our generation and gas was 20. Okay. And all this talk that we've had, all this noise, here we are, 2022 numbers were 60% of our energy was generated in the United States from coal and natural gas. So yeah. obviously it, it inverted, but it's still 70, 
70 into 1008 when Obama, you know, started this whole deal and it's 60 now. And wind picked up 10% of that or wind and solar picked up 10% between then and now with everything that they have had going for them. But they're not going to be able to do that again. Like they're hitting the wall well, we'll in see. terms of their generation. We'll I see. think anyway. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So. I'm, 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 you know, we'll see. So, all right. Um, what do you have? Anything? And then uh, I think we can wrap it up. I no, I, 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 I'm, this summer. I'm glad I remembered Lou. Now you got to go to the Colorado River. So whatever you got. Okay. So uh, you probably heard, this is from NPR, the Reverend Jesse Jackson plans to step, has resigned from the uh, Rainbow Push Coalition he founded in 1971. So Jesse is calling it quits. 82 years old in October. I was going to ask you, how uh, old is he? 82 in October, but he has been uh, pretty sick more recently. He's been struggling with Parkinson's and had some surgeries and complications from COVID and things like that. So, yeah. so I don't know. Did you did you know that? Did you catch that in the news? I did. I did. Uh, you know, he's the last. I believe he's the you last. You know what I'm doing here? I'm setting this up for the, for the close, but I keep going. <laughs> okay. I believe he's the last living link to um, the Reverend King. The Reverend Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who said it. It was an American philosopher who said all great causes start off as movements, turn into businesses, and degenerate into rackets. And the Reverend Jackson's political career, at least, can is is summarized by that arc, right? He 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 came of age in a movement, turned it into a business, and by the time it's you know now it's a racket. It's a it's well, a keep keep hope alive. Uh, and I do wish he keep good up, health. Keep obviously. up alive. I mean, the guy shook down businesses. He basically said, "Hey, give me know, give I'm... me a bunch of money, and I'll leave you alone." I mean that that's a mob operation right there. The um. Uh, you know, he just for, for the youngers in the crowd, like uh, Alex here, the producer, he ran for president twice um, and uh, had a pretty, you know, pretty big platform in the 88 campaign. Um, yeah. 88 was, which one was that? Was that Clinton? I hope that, no. was, I hope that was George Bush. Yeah, George Bush. God, duh. Okay. Um, and he was, honored at the final at his uh final uh conference in chicago where um uh, uh, honored by a host of dignitaries and you know jackson of course is a great orator himself but um i'd like to close with these emotional words from another great orator and early on just think about it early on he even had the audacity to name this coalition the National Rainbow Coalition. Think about that. He defined the rainbow. He was one of the first to define the rainbow. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. The bookend, I couldn't help it. I just, it was just so. I know. Uh, you know She's the, uh, you should see the look. His face, you gotta watch the clip. He was like, Lady, go back and look at some of my speeches, will you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Hopefully it will not be our last episode. Uh, if I make it off the river in one piece, we'll go to on to 141 next week. Enjoy your weekends. Be safe out there and stay 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 cool in the air conditioning. Enjoy. Namaste. Hey.